Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Good evening. Thank you all for coming. I know there's a baseball game about to happen, so I'm sure people are eager to get this done quickly. Um, I'm Stephanie Seneff, and I've got my clicker here. That's my title, and I have a picture to show. <laughs> all right, so here's the outline. I'm going to go quickly through a lot of slides. I have a lot of information to give you, but hopefully you'll be able to absorb most of it. Um, I'm going to start by mentioning the autism epidemic, which I'm very worried about. I'm going to talk about gut microbes and digestive disorders. I'm going to present some statistics that will be quite interesting to see. I'm going to talk about some things, uh, some effects of glyphosate uh, involving endocrine disruption, cancer, and kidney failure. And then I'm going to talk about some new GMO research and finally a summary. So that's where we're going. Starting out with this, the autism epidemic. Back in 2007, I got really worried. I've been watching the autism rates steadily climb over the last 20, 30 years. 2007, I said to myself that I need to take a look at this. Somebody needs to figure out what's happening here. There's clearly something in the environment, probably multiple things in the environment that are causing this. And uh, as a biologist, I maybe could try to figure that out. And I, so I studied it. Uh, I watched the rate go down, go up and up now. 2009, one in 100. And the most recent number, March 2013, one in 50. This is getting to be a very, very worrisome number. And autism is not a trivial thing to have. For those of you who know people who have children with autism, it can be a very severe dis disability. Um, so I project at this rate, one in two by the quarter century mark. So half the kids born will be on the autism spectrum if we stay the course. So we need to figure out what it is in the environment that's causing this, and we need to fix it. Very clear to me. So in 1970, the rate was 1 in 10,000, which is a sobering thought. So I started looking into it. I did a lot of research. I actually wrote several papers. I have co collaborators of maybe six or seven papers on autism before I had looked into glyphosate. because. Um, so I identified a lot of things. Other people have identified these things as well. Autism is very complex. And one thing for sure is that it's associated with disruptive gut bacteria. They have a lot of problems with their digestive system, inflamed gut, leaky gut. And this is connected to the gut brain through the great gut brain axis to the brain. So I told the story, I wrote a paper with collaborators, told the story of how once there's the problem with the gut, how it can then cause effects on the brain that can explain autism. I was frustrated when I wrote that paper because I said I don't know to myself. I don't know what's causing this gut problem. Other things, de depletion in serotonin supply, this is also associated with a lot of other conditions that we're facing today, and I'll say more about that in a moment. And then deficiency in sulfur metabolites and a major uh, disturbance of the whole sulfur system in the body, which is a very serious problem that I think is the most important contributor to the brain dysfunction in autism. So the question, is there a toxic substance that's in, currently in our environment on the rise in step with the increasing rates of autism that could explain this, these comorbidities? And so the answer is yes. I'm quite sure that I'm right. And the answer is glyphosate. 
And this is the paper that I wrote with Anthony Samso. I was very fortunate to be able to hook up with him. He's a brilliant man. He's been studying glyphosate for many years. And he just started pouring papers at me. And I would get up in the morning and read glyphosate papers all day long and then drop into bed exhausted at night to, to, get, to figure this out. And it was astonishing what we found. So uh, you can read this paper. It, you don't have to, it's not a pay-per-view. It's open access. So you can go find it on the web and read it for yourself. And there's also things written about it that might help you to understand it. Um, glyphosate suppression of cytochrome P450 enzymes and amino acid biosynthesis by the gut microbe pathways to modern diseases. So glyphosate, Roundup, you all know about Roundup. Probably you don't, many of you know the word glyphosate, but that's the active ingredient in Roundup. And it looks like that, a very simple model, oops, I did that wrong. Yeah, very simple molecule, actually, very deceptively simple. Um, it's now the number one herbicide used in the U.S. and increasingly around the world. Um, it was developed by Monsanto in 1970, and it was introduced into the U.S. market first in 1974. It came out under patent in 2000, and after that it became much more available worldwide because the price dropped. So now China is using a great deal of it as well. It's going around the world, increasing everywhere. Um, and it's become the number one herbicide uh, in use because of its uh, cheap price now and also because of its quote-unquote non-toxicity. So um, what it does is it inhibits this shikimate pathway. And this is a pathway that's involved in the synthesis of these three aromatic amino acids. This pathway exists in plants and it doesn't exist in humans, human cells. So Monsanto argues that it's safe because of that. Now, the interesting thing is that the huge expansion of GMO corn, soy, cotton, sugar beet, and canola crops has led to the sharp increases in glyphosate that we've seen because 90% of the GMOs, there's many, many GMOs, as he said, but 90% of them involve resistance to Roundup. The GMO makes the plant resistant so you can spray Roundup on it and it won't die. And what that means is that you do spray Roundup on it and it soaks up the Roundup and it gets into the food system. And that is a very, very serious problem. It also affects the plant and, and, and decreases its nutritional value. So um, is it non-toxic? And as I said, Monsanto has said it is because we don't have that pathway. And the important thing is that our gut bacteria, all of them have this pathway. And we depend upon them to supply us with the amino acids that are produced by them in this pathway, because we can't make those amino acids. We can't make them because we don't have that pathway. And those amino acids are extremely important to our health. And then there's other ingredients in Roundup that greatly increase the toxic effects of glyphosate. A lot of the studies are done just on glyphosate, and it can't get into the cell. But if you add the surfactants that are in Roundup, then all of a sudden the glyphosate becomes much more toxic. And then the insidious effects accumulate over time. So one of the things is that the studies that Monsanto has done last typically for three months. After three months, you don't see any problem. Problems start to appear at four months. And a study was done over the entire lifetime of rats, and it found a huge number of problems with cancer and a shorter lifespan, and generally um, lots of difficulties with these rats that were exposed to glyphosate throughout their lifespan. Um, so here's some biological effects I mentioned already aromatic amino acids, also methionine. That's the core sulfur-containing amino acid that supplies sulfur to your body. Um, it just disrupts gut bacteria, and that's been shown in chickens, cows, and pigs. 
uh, with this overgrown uh, growth of pathogenic bacteria in the gut, which is the same thing you see in autism. It disrupts these type enzymes, and these enzymes are really important for many biological functions. It depletes several important minerals, and especially these rare manganese, zinc, cobalt, iron, uh, molybdenum. These are really, really important uh, minerals to make, keep your enzymes working properly. And then it impairs sulfate synthesis and sulfate transport. And one of the major things with autism is, is a severe deficiency in sulfate in the brain. So I'm going to go into a little more detail about these two here on the next page. This one is these aromatic amino acids. Tryptophan is one of them. It's a precursor to serotonin, which is a precursor to melatonin. And these are really important neurotransmitters in the brain. They involve um, deficiencies associated with obesity, autism, Alzheimer's, depression, and violent behavior. Uh, melatonin controls the sleep-wake cycle. Tyrosine is another one of these amino acids, precursor to dopamine, adrenaline, melanin. You've heard of these words. These are really important biological molecules. Dopamine is going to go to Parkinson's disease if you're deficient. Melanin protects you from UV, so you're going to get skin cancer. Methionine is the essential sulfur-containing amino acid that supplies sulfur to your body. It disrupts these enzymes, which are involved in a huge number of things. Here's some things that I would mention. Vitamin D regulation, vitamin D activation, cholesterol metabolism, that's why people have high cholesterol. Sex hormones, that's how you can get into things like infertility. Bile acid production to digest the fats. Detoxifying other environmental toxins is a really important one. You disrupt the enzymes that detoxify the toxins, the other toxins become much more dangerous to you. And then stabilizing the blood. You have a lot of problems with elderly today fighting a, a, a tight wire between hemorrhaging and blood clots, and they're all on Coumadin because their blood is, is not functioning properly. That's cytochrome P450 enzymes. So here's some biomarkers for, for autism. I mentioned the gut bacteria, inflammatory bowel, low sulfate, methionine, that's the sulfur metabolic, uh, amino acid, serotonin, melatonin, aromatase is the type enzyme. These are um, and minerals, and then these other things I've talked about in the paper that are a little bit harder to explain. All these things can be explained by glyphosate. So, to summarize, autism rates have been increasing at an alarming rate in step with the increases in glyphosate application to the GMO products, foods. Autism is associated with disrupted gut bacteria, serotonin deficiency, impaired immune function, sulfate deficiency, etc., all of which can be explained by glyphosate. And then they can also explain many other modern diseases and conditions. So second topic, gut microbes and digestive disorders. Our microbes, people are realizing more and more today how important these microbes are to our health. They outnumber our, our own cells 10 to 1. For every cell, human cell, there's 10 microbes in your body. You're actually a home for the body. You can think of yourself as a home for the bacteria. And they have um, a lot more genes than we do. 200, 300 different species in a typical person. And what happens with glyphosate is that it causes these pathogens to overgrow and they produce toxins like toxic phenols, which can then lead to inflammatory bowel disease. This can go to obesity and it can also go to problems in the brain because these things can travel to the brain and disrupt its function. Um, and there's, for example, this study talks about gut microbes taken from an obese person induced obesity in mice. So the microbes themselves are actually causing you to be obese in response to the glyphosate. Here's an uh, article that came out actually after our article, so we didn't talk about it in our paper. Um, very interesting, a study on pigs. Their digestive system is very similar to ours. 
And these, anecdotally, they were observing inflammation in the stomach and various problems with the intestines in hemorrhagic bowel disease in these pigs that were being fed GMO food that had been sprayed with glyphosate. So they did a, a formal experiment with 168 pigs that were just weaned, and they had two groups, one GMO and one organic, to, and compared those two groups of pigs. And here's what they found. The GMO feed healthy gut, and the, I mean, the uh, non-GMO feed healthy gut, and the GMO feed extremely inflamed gut. Um, the female pigs had a 25% uh, larger um, uterus, so a, sw a swollen uterus. And they were 2.2 times as likely to get severe stomach inflammation on the GMO diet, and the males were four times as likely to get this problem on the GMO diet. Um, human digestive system problems. So today we're seeing an alarming increase in a number of diseases, Crohn's disease, inflammatory bowel disease, colitis, acid reflux, gluten and casein intolerance, celiac disease, leaky gut, all these things are showing up more and more in people today. Um, and as I said, the gut-brain axis can then cause neurological problems in response to the gut problems. And I believe that glyphosate is a major cause of, what's the, of all of this. So you, now you see your new gluten-free section of your grocery store everywhere. It's just all of a sudden, all of them have these gluten-free sections. It's really come up overnight, this problem. Um, books have been written about the uh, hidden epidemic of celiac disease. Uh, it's quadrupled. The rate is quadrupled in the last 50 years. So we looked at celiac disease, and we now have a new paper under review. So hopefully, we'll see if it can get through the review process. It was amazing. This is the second, second paper following our first one. And we found a huge number of, of explanations for all these complex things that are associated with celiac disease that can be explained by glyphosate, the same story as we saw with autism. Here's some examples. Bifidobacteria are depleted in celiac disease. They can convert gluten to a less toxic form. So if you don't have them, you're going to have a toxic form. Glyphosate actually kills those bacteria. Celiac disease is also associated with an increased risk to this particular cancer, and glyphosate itself is also linked directly to that same cancer. So I think, uh, I mean, we found a, no a huge number of other things, but I don't have time to talk about them now. Um, so this is interesting, and this is something I found on the web describing problems that they're seeing with uh, weeds, that they've figured out a way to fix these problems, which I find to be absolutely shocking. And the way they fix the problems, so here's extra, is ryegrass, which you don't want growing in your wheat. So what you can do is you can spray glyphosate on the wheat crop right before the harvest. And that will kill the wheat, because the wheat is not glyphosate resistant. But you will grab the wheat, it will actually cause the wheat to go to seed and you'll get a more synchronous har harvest, and you'll get a larger yield. The plant will then immediately die from the glyphosate, and the glyphosate will go into the seed that you feed, put into your breakfast cereal. And so it's killing the ryegrass. So here they're saying we may be able to knock out 80% to 90% of the resistant ryegrass with glyphosate right before the harvest. This is being done to wheat, to barley, to sugarcane, and it's a relatively new thing that's been happening over the last 10 years. On top of the GMO problem, this is not a GMO issue. So here's a, a, an interesting bacterium, Pseudomonas. It's becoming a pest, Pseudomonas aeruginosa. That's a gram-negative bacterium. It's a major problem in the hospitals today. You throw the kitchen sink at it, and it won't die. It's like resistant to all the different antibiotics. It turns out it has a skill, a unique skill, which is that it can break down glyphosate. 
So in a sense, if you've got an infection of that, it's doing you a favor because it's getting rid of the glyphosate. But it's replacing it with formaldehyde, which is also a neurotoxin. So, you know, take your pick. But it's probably encouraging, it's growing because it's being supplied with the glyphosate that's killing off all the other bacteria. It can thrive on glyphosate. Um, so here's uh, some statistics, a hospitalization of children with inflammatory bowel disease, a study that was done on, on a huge number, 11 million hospitalization records, of children under 20 years old. And they showed a 49% increase over this period of time in Crohn's and a 71% increase in ulcerative, ulcerative colitis uh, upon exit. So these are evidence that children are getting a lot more problems with their guts. So to summarize, we depend on our gut bacteria in many ways. Obese person's bacteria can induce obesity in mice. Glyphosate is an antibiotic, preferentially kills the good bacteria, leaving behind the pathogens which can cause all kinds of problems. This is illustrated in pigs. They develop inflammatory gut. Humans are experiencing all these gut disorders, and this business with the ryegrass is causing them to spray glyphosate on the wheat crop right before the harvest, which I think has a direct consequence of celiac disease and gluten intolerance. And then this particular bacterium, which is a growing problem, has a unique skill that it can break down glyphosate, so it's not toxic to it. Okay, some statistics. Here's an interesting look at the GE corn and soy, these are all GE crops engineered to be resistant to Roundup. Started in 1996, very few. 2012, everybody's up at 90%. So we've basically gone from zero to 90 in about 15 years. 90% of the crop is Roundup ready, which means you spray, the, they routinely spray the glyphosate on the crop, it soaks it up, it gets into your food. Um, here's an interesting plot of the use of herbicides over time, again, 1990 to 2009, and this is all uh, herbicides, this is all uh, insecticides, and then this is the one herbicide whose usage is going way up, which is glyphosate. It's the only one. So none of the other ones can be explained in the autism epidemic because they're not going up. This is the only one. Now this, I think, is the most remarkable plot in my entire a set of slides. And I should mention this woman, Nancy Swanson, she's really neat. She's a physicist and she has published some amazing plots. There's a lot more that you can find on the web of correlations with all kinds of diseases. Now I'll have a little bit more of them here, but you can even find a, a much larger number of plots, all of them showing strong correlations between disease and Roundup. This one is autism. So the number of with autism in the, enrolled in the school system, the yellow squares, and the red plot is the glyphosate applied to corn and soy. So just looking at the corn and soy, which goes into all the processed foods, crops, almost a perfect match between the growth of the Roundup applied to corn and soy and the growth in the incidence of autism in the school system. This is a 0.99 Pearson correlation coefficient. I never see, you never see numbers like that in correlations. They always say correlation does not necessarily mean causation. In this case, I think it does. So we consume 25% of the world market of glyphosate, and we do not have 25% of the world population. So we are privileged in the US to get a lot more exposure to glyphosate than other countries in the world. So here's another, some more plots from Nancy. Um, this is a, a diabetes plot, and this is what diabetes looks like. You can see there's kind of a slow rise going with this green line, and then it starts to shift to a much higher rise in diabetes right around the time that glyphosate gets introduced. So if you take out the green line, you get this plot over here, which shows these two lines involve 
the percentage of GE corn and soy is the red, and the blue is the amount of glyphosate being used on them. You can see they pretty much wrap around the plot of the, of the diabetes increase. Very good correlation there as well. So um, that's just removing the trend. So she has a whole bunch of plots, and then she can compute Pearson correlation coefficients on all of them. This is only some of them, but I will say that all of these diseases are things we talked about in our paper, because we could see how they would connect up with glyphosate from the way glyphosate works in physiology. We had not seen these plots until after we wrote the paper. So I was really gratified to see that what she's seeing in the statistics correlates with what we're seeing from the biology. There's a perfect fit. And so here are some of the things. Obesity, now these numbers, this is the p-value, the likelihood that this thing could have occurred by chance is extremely small. E minus 007 means a number like that. 0 .005, 0 0.05 is considered significant. So this is extremely significant. And all of these have these really high decimal points, several zeros, very, very significant correlations between obesity and glyphosate. This is glyphosate usage on corn and soy. Obesity, diabetes, two forms of diabetes, end-stage kidney disease, uh, incidence and prevalence, autism, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and dementia. All of these are very strongly correlated with glyphosate usage on corn and soy. Um, so this is a plot that was taken from a paper that was arguing that sugar was causing obesity. The paper goes back to 1700, a long time ago, showing that we sort of grew slowly you know, we got, uh, this is the sugar usage, and the obesity only shows up here, starting in 1900, and there's an increase in obesity from 1900 to 1975. But when glyphosate was introduced in 1975, and you can see that there's a corner, all of a sudden the obesity epidemic is getting much worse with the introduction of glyphosate. So I think glyphosate is the main cause. Something else was going on here, but I don't know what it was. Infant mortality. Our rate is over 2.5 times the rate in Japan and Sweden. And the diver divergence began in 1975, right when we introduced um, glyphosate. This is the US, and this is the other developed nations, and there's a, a gradual growing increase in the gap. So our infants are not doing nearly as well as other people's infants are doing. And we're now number 46 on infant mortality behind Cuba and Guam. And we're also number one on infant mortality on the first day after birth, number one. No, I mean, worst, the bottom of the pile on infant mortality on the first day. So we've seen a tremendous growth in GMO crops along with a tremendous increase in glyphosate. Use of Roundup on corn and soy correlates very strongly with the observed increases in all of these nasty diseases. Uh, the obesity epidemic get, began in 1975, and our decline in the infant mortality also began in 1975, when glyphosate was introduced into the market. So now endocrine disruption, cancer, and kidney failure. This is Nancy Swanson, a quote, more and more studies have revealed carcinogenic and endocrine disrupting effects of Roundup at lower doses than those authorized for residues found in genetically modified organisms. So that means we're we are vulnerable to these problems, even at the levels that are allowed by the government. Um, so here's a, uh, some studies. Low and environmentally relevant concentrations of glyphosate possess estrogenic activity. Another paper that came out after we published our paper, 2013, very new paper, found that glyphosate could cause human hormone-dependent breast cancer cells to proliferate at concentrations of parts per trillion. That is extremely small concentrations. 
And then if, you are, if it's in soy, you've got the additional effect of genistein to make the situation worse. Certainly we have a problem with breast cancer in this country as well. Um, anencephaly is a, a rare, very rare uh, deformity in the child that basically says no brain. It means that the child is born without a brain. Uh, in Yakima, Benton, and Franklin counties in Washington state, there's been an unusually high number of pregnancies that have this very, very rare disorder. So they started trying to figure out what might be causing it, and they found indeed that they were using a lot of different pesticides. 75 different pesticides were analyzed to try to figure out what might be causing this. And they did find a significant, 63% uh, of those were detected. However, glyphosate was applied in large amounts and it was not studied. So why wasn't it studied? Because it's harmless. Nobody thinks it's causing any problems. 5% solution of glyphosate was also used heavily around the irrigation ditches to control weeds. And it was the main herbicide that was recommended for this purpose because of its low toxicity. Glyphosate has been linked to anencephaly due to its effect on retinoic acid, um, which I have a paper right here. That's the same problem that these people are having. This has been shown to cause it in animal models. Glyphosate goes in, increases retinoic acid, causes, upsets these guys, and introduces these various problems with the head, uh, including microcephaly, small brain. So, it makes sense that glyphosate would be causing this problem in Washington. Fertility rates are dropping worldwide. Um, they're falling rapidly in countries often to below the reproductive, you know, the, the, the re replace yourselves level, which means we'll eventually die out if we keep this up. Um, so cultural changes certainly play a role. People want to have smooth, uh, fewer children, but I think glyphosate is also contributing significantly to the infertility problems that we're seeing. Uh, sperm depend upon cholesterol sulfate for decapitation and fertilization, and cholesterol sulfate synthesis depends on one of these side enzymes that are disrupted by glyphosate. And um, so that could explain the problem with fertility. Um, so here's a study of 26,000 men in France which found that they had sperm concentrations had decreased by 32% uh, since the 1990s. That's, of course, when glyphosate started to get introduced into France. And then they steadily dropped by 2% per year from uh, over that period. And also the proportion of normally found, formed sperm also declined by about one third. So the sperm are not normally formed and there's fewer of them. Um, kidney failure. So this is an interesting uh, thing that I've looked into recently. We talk about it in our new paper. Um, agricultural workers in both Central America and in India are dying at a young age of kidney failure. And they're trying to figure out what could be causing this. Some suggestions they've made is arsenic exposure or excess use of Tylenol for pain. Well, one thing, if that Tylenol could be involved because glyphosate disrupts the enzyme that breaks it down. So that will make Tylenol much more toxic. That's another site enzyme. Um, however, um, you know, glyphosate can cause kidney failure through other methods too, which involves all these disrupted gut bacteria that produce these toxic phenols, which can destroy the kidneys. And of course, it increases diabetes, which also leads to kidney failure. So there's many, many paths from glyphosate to kidney failure. Um, what, so what's killing them? Well, so you look at this picture of a crop dusting plane in Costa Rica, and here's a paper written in 1990, the effect of applying glyphosate as ripener in three sugarcane varieties. What this means is they're spraying glyphosate on the sugarcane crop, which is a major crop in Central America, right before the harvest, the same as they're doing with wheat in the United States. This also means that glyphosate is going to be present in your sugar. 
from both the cane sugar and from the high fructose corn syrup, because that's coming from GMO corn that's also being sprayed with glyphosate. And this could be the reason why sugar has become so toxic. You know, people talk about sugar's bad for you. It might be that it's the glyphosate in the sugar that's causing all the damage. So recapitulation, glyphosate is a known endocrine disruptor in uh, infertility, birth defects, breast tumor cells uh, problem, concentrations parts per trillion, uh, upregulates retinoic acid, which can cause microcephaly and anencephaly, in, and could explain this high incidence of this problem in Yakima. Agricultural workers in Costa Rica and India are experiencing high rates of kidney failure, which could also be due to this pre-harvest application of glyphosate. In fact, uh, Louisiana also has a very high rate of kidney, kidney failure compared to the overall average in the states, and they also produce uh, sugarcane crops that are sprayed with glyphosate right before the harvest. Okay, new GMO research. Um, Glyphosate-resistant weeds, a huge and growing problem. When you spray the glyphosate on the crops, the weeds become resistant to the glyphosate, and then you have to add more. So you end up putting a lot more glyphosate on the crops than you would otherwise have done because you can't kill these weeds. And so they're starting to use more glyphosate, also using additional herbicides on top of the glyphosate with different functioning. So you're going to get a complex combination of two different herbicides causing different disruptions, working together to cause, cause damage. Or they can use, increase the use of tillage to actually kill the weeds. So I want to talk about this GMO research in Waimea, Kauai. This is dear to my heart because I have a house in Kauai. We have a vacation home there, so I care about this a lot. And we were there last summer, and we were very actively involved in the movement uh, against this uh, horrible development in this beautiful garden island where they're developing all these uh, companies. Amazingly, not Monsanto, they've moved out, but all these other chemical companies are developing new GMOs um, that will be resistant to glyphosate and some other herbicide, such that we can now indiscriminately play, to, to spray you know, 2,4-D or atrazine on top of glyphosate to get even more chemicals into our food. Um, 98% of the restricted use pesticides that are used in Kauai are used on these plants that are being developed, these new GMO crops. Here's a quote. Uh, on Kauai, we have 12,000 acres owned by or leased to all these companies for GMO chemical open-air testing. These guys are used for experimental crop trials for some of the most controversial technologies and chemicals of our time. These chemicals run off our lands and into our streams and eventually pollute our oceans and leave a toxic residue for years to come. So first Waimea, that's the place where all this is happening, then the world, because once we have, once these things get out, it's gonna be a global health problem. Once they develop these new GMOs, I mean, I can't imagine the consequences of glyphosate plus one of these other that are restricted use herbicides. Glyphosate is not even restricted use. Things like 2,4-D, atrazine, glufosinate, can, but these are really serious uh, chemicals. So uh, Waimea has had 80 different pesticide products applied, Health problems are showing up predictably from the people living there. Asthma, nosebleeds, heavy bleeding and miscarriages among women, alarming cancer rates. Class action lawsuit against Pioneer involves 60 families with these various problems. And then my hero, Gary Hooser, has put together a bill which we were actively campaigning to get to pass over the summer, uh, 2491 which had a lot of restrictions where it required them to inform people where they were applying what, when, and also to, to not apply the pesticides near schools, for example. They were applying them in fields right next door to schools for children. 
So um, this is what makes me very happy. This bill, 2491, it passed this morning at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> over there in Hawaii. So one small victory <laughs> for this you know, new world order. So I think this might, you know, I feel this is like the turning point. I can hope that uh, enough people will start to become informed and people will start to realize that we cannot, this is not sustainable agriculture. The path we are on is destructive. We have to change the way we grow food if we're going to not end up having every well person in the, in the world spending all of their time taking care of the people who are sick and needy. I mean, we have to do something different. So here's what Don Huber has to say. I didn't mention Don Huber, but he's the person who gave, I heard him give a two-hour lecture right before, when I figured out. He explained why the gut bacteria were a problem in autism for me, and that started me on this whole pathway of studying glyphosate. When future historians write about our time, they're not going to write about the tons of chemicals that we did or didn't apply. When it comes to glyphosate, they're going to write about our willingness to sacrifice our children and jeopardize our existence, while threatening and jeopardizing the very basis of our existence, the sustainability of our agriculture. Very well said. He's a, a, a retired um, professor from Purdue who has worked all of his life on plant pathology and plant physiology, so he understands this very, very well. And he has seen through what happens to the plants how damaging glyphosate is to any biological system. So the US government does not, does minimal monitoring of glyphosate residues in food. Here's a picture of a typical fast, fast food meal. You've got wheat that's been desiccated with Roundup right before the harvest. You've got GMO soy protein filter in your hamburger. You've got cows fed GMO corn and soy going into your beef and your cheese. You've got potatoes that were desiccated with herbicides right before the harvest. You've got GMO canola oil. You've got high fructose corn syrup, GMO, going into the, the, the ketchup and the, and the drink. So is this going to have glyphosate in it? So how about testing? I found a 2011 195-page document from the US uh, Department of Agriculture. Only one food item was listed in 195 pages. Only one food item was tested for glyphosate, which was soy. A good choice, because soy is GMO, and it's got lots of glyphosate being sprayed on it. Did they find any? Out of the samples, 90% had tested positive for glyphosate. And 96%, almost 96%, tested positive for AMPA, which is a breakdown product of glyphosate. So basically, they all have glyphosate in them. So here's another problem. No studies have been done assessing the effects of glyphosates on humans. Monsanto is making sure that we don't do these tests. But there was, and again, after our paper was written, when we wrote our paper, we tried so hard to find any evidence of glyphosate in human blood, in human urine, we couldn't find anything. Nothing had been reported. So we simply had to say, we don't know. After we wrote our paper, this study came out in Europe. A good study, 182 urine samples over 18 different countries in Europe. City dwellers. So city dwellers are not going to be people on the farm who are going to pick up exposure from their crops. Never had handled a Roundup or any herbicides. 44% of them had glyphosate in their urine. 7% had a level that was considered to be the cutoff for safety. Now, they don't really even know what's safe, but at least they, had, they were hitting that, that, that level. And so they concluded that diet must have been the main source of this glyphosate that was getting into their urine. These numbers would be much worse if they were to be measured in the United States. 
but as far as I know, nobody has measured them. We have been trying to find a way to measure glyphosate in urine, in urine or blood, and we cannot find any company anywhere who will do that for us. Because we have plenty of people who would like us to do that for them, Anthony and I. Here's a quote from this paper. Our testing highlights a serious lack of action by public authorities across Europe and indicates that this weed killer is being widely overused. Governments need to step up their monitoring and bring in urgent measures to reduce its use. This includes rejecting any genetically modified crops that would increase the use of glyphosate, which is what we've got. 90% of our GMOs are genetically engineered to be resistant to glyphosate. And that's why, that's a key reason why we have this huge increase in exposure over the last 10 years. So here's my big message of the night. This is a picture from our kitchen. <laughs> we, buy, we try to buy everything organic now, um, and we have been doing so for some time now. And I would encourage everybody to switch to organic food and to tell everybody you know, your friends and, your, any, and your, anybody you know, your family, your friends, tell them to go organic. And they will notice substantial health improvement if they do so. I can, I, I can almost guarantee it. So we should be very worried about our glyphosate in the food and water, glyphosate's disruption of gut bacteria, depletion of essential amino acids and minerals, and interference with cytochrome P450 enzymes have widespread consequences. It can explain health problems worldwide, including autism, diabetes, infertility, kidney failure, gluten intolerance, cancer, etc. Needs to be removed from the market, and we need to find the path to sustainable, pesticide-free agriculture. I believe this very, very strongly. Thank you. <laughs>